It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. Meaningful conversations can only take place in a culture of respect and courtesy between people who are capable of seeing their highest ideals in each other and who can recognize and reflect the essential sameness which lies at the heart of each and every human being. That is a quote from a training I've been taking about Web3. And I'm so glad that I saved that. I've been taking notes during the whole training. I feel like I'm back in school. And Web3 is very little, if anything, to do with today's topic. But I had those notes in front of me today, and they really applied to what this episode is about. The other quote that I wanted to share that I've been saving for quite some time, and I actually don't remember where this came from, so I'm going to have to go look up the attribution. This quote is, everything I feel, think, say, and do is a necessary part of my awakening. And both of those quotes really hit home for me on this topic, which is related to something I did the second week of March 2022, a few weeks before this episode comes out. And I'm doing a lot of processing. So today's episode, I really think is going to feel more like a conversation, although technically it's not a conversation because you're not here and I'm just talking alone to you. But I think that this will feel much like it would feel if you were a friend listening to me share some things. So imagine that you have asked me how I felt about and what I thought about what my experience was of the Natural Products Expo, which is a trade show I have gone to more times than I can remember. I know for sure I've been at least 10 times, but I would estimate somewhere between 15 or 20 times I've attended this trade show. It's a natural products industry trade show, thus the name Natural Products Expo. It happens twice a year in the United States, once in Anaheim, California. And in the past, it used to happen in Baltimore, Maryland, and now it happens in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I've been to both sides of it and I've really enjoyed it over time. Last year in 2021, I went to the first trade show of its kind that happened since the pandemic started. That was in Philadelphia. I cannot remember if I recorded an episode about it. I imagine I did. So I will link to it if, in fact, I did record it. There's also likely an episode on This Hits the Spot, which is the complimentary podcast to the show. And I do intend to do an episode of This Hits the Spot about this event that just happened in Anaheim in 2022. And for a little background, if you have not listened to any of those episodes, and this is the very first time you've heard me talk about the Natural Products Expo, it is a industry-only professional show in which people from all over the world gather to talk about and consume, try out, and do business related to these natural products. So 
It's set up in convention centers with thousands of booths and brands from all around the world, but in this case, mainly in the United States, brands of different sizes, but generally brands that can afford to pay a few thousand dollars or so to be there. They set up these booths and they sample their products. They talk to retailers, distributors, they talk to people from the press and a lot of other different branches of the industry that I'm not even that familiar with. I go as part of the press. And over the years, that's evolved into this influencer world. So I walk around with a badge that states that I'm a quote influencer. I'm putting that in quotations because I don't use the word influencer for myself. I'm not a big fan of it. I'm also kind of moving away from the word content creator. On my badge, I wrote that I am a podcaster. And I chose to wear my mask during the show, which is going to be something I'm going to talk about today. And I actually had a really cool mask. I wish I had it in front of me for the YouTube version of this show. Uh, but the mask says, ask me about my podcast. That was given to me from Podetize, the company that does my podcast for me. They help with all the transcripts and the editing and help make this show possible and the hosting of it. So I was wearing that mask and prepared to talk a lot about podcasting. But spoiler alert, I actually did not end up talking about it quite as much as I normally would. But anyways, so I go as a press slash influencer and walk around the show, trying out products, talking to people that run these businesses, asking them questions and mingling with other attendees. And of all these times I've been, the last two times, this recent one in March and the previous one in September 2021 have been interesting because of the pandemic. And I felt a lot of emotions that I wanted to process, not just specifically about this event, but where I'm at, how I've evolved. This is kind of a follow-up to an episode I did a few weeks ago called The Ick Factor. In that episode, if you haven't listened to it yet, I shared how I wasn't even sure that I wanted to go to this event anymore, which was a really strange thought for me. I think the pandemic, a lot of the isolation I've had, the feeling that many of us have experienced of everything being a bit out of sorts, feeling disconnected from one another. If we have gone back to any sort of normalcy, it doesn't fully feel, quote, normal anymore. It's different. Things have changed. And during my time, as I've evolved as a person over the last two years, I've recognized a lot of social anxiety. I've recognized neurodivergence within myself that I didn't know was there. And I've really taken the time to reflect on what's important to me. And so in that Ick Factor episode, I was sharing how, I think it's that episode. I have to go back and double check. There is an episode called The Ick Factor, but now I'm second guessing if I discuss this there. I will ensure in the show notes for this episode, which are at wellevator.com, that I link to the episode in which I was pondering whether or not to go this show, to this trade show. And it's interesting now, having finished the trade show, to reflect back on what I was feeling a few weeks or a few months ago when I recorded that, because I was wondering if it even felt right for me to go anymore. And I really went through a roller coaster of emotions. So now that I've kind of set the stage for what this trade show is, I want you to picture it a little bit more. So if you've ever been to Disneyland in Anaheim, this trade show is across the street from it. So you have a bit of a visual. If you've never been to Disneyland, (laughs) I will paint a picture of Anaheim. 
there's a lot going on. There are a lot of hotels. There are some smaller homes around them, many of which are Airbnbs. There are a lot of cars around. There are palm trees. March in Anaheim tends to be beautiful. Blue skies, really nice weather. It's right before daylight savings. So it's that time of year where it feels like summer is so close. Technically, spring is about to begin. But in Anaheim, which is right outside of Los Angeles, it feels like we only kind of have two seasons. (laughs) We have like the chillier season and the warmer season. We have the maybe more likely to rain times a year and we have the much less likely time of year. So I feel like in March, there's a shift that happens. We've got the daylight savings changes, which means that it'll be lighter, longer, or later into the day, which is really exciting. And the weather just starts to feel nicer. You can start going outside in tank tops again. And in Anaheim, it just like there's a feeling to it. And maybe it's just because I've spent the past, I think, 12 years now experiencing this shift in Anaheim during this trade show. So Imagine a really big convention center with a street that leads up to it and some hotels on the side. And then imagine that during the Natural Products Expo, that street is just filled with people. In 2019, the last time the trade show happened in Anaheim, there were close to 100,000 people attending this event. And this year in March 2022, it felt like it was about the same amount of people. So every hotel is booked. The sidewalks are packed with people. There are companies all over the place passing out samples of their products. It's really fun because there's a buzz in the air and there's generosity. And who doesn't love free food, right? Who doesn't love trying new things? That's, well, I guess maybe some people don't like trying new things, but I love it. So All of these years that I've been, I walk in there and it feels like I'm a kid in a candy store. Just the energy, the excitement, it's infectious, a word I hope to use lightly. It's contagious, another word that hopefully now has a really has a new meaning. And this is why I go to the show. I go to this trade show because I can, because I work in the health and wellness industry with my podcast, with social media, the blogging I used to do. I've been involved with helping promote these brands. And so you have to apply to go. And someone like me is kind of vetted out to see if I'm considered a professional, which luckily I have been. They've accepted me into the show. I get an official badge. Every person has to show their ID and get their badge scans. Like they take it very seriously. They have a good amount of security. So nobody can just like walk in to this event. Trust me, I would love to bring all of my friends to it because is so much fun, but you can't. You have to be working in the industry. And what I have done for a large part of the time that I've gone to this trade show is post about it. You can go back, especially in my eco-vegan gal days, to find tons of YouTube videos. In the early days, probably the first two or three years that I went, I did some kind of overview videos of it. In fact, maybe I will link to some of those videos. I think I have a playlist of all the videos or most of the videos that I've made about this trade show. And it's worth checking out just for reference if you're still trying to visualize what it's like. And I remember in those early days, I was still trying to figure out my place in this content world. 
I think my first year going to this event was in 2010. And I was just starting to get things off the ground, mostly with YouTube. So I was recording everything I did, every restaurant I went to, everything I ate. I was reviewing like every product. I just loved doing that. And I went to this trade show with my camera and recorded it and was just trying to summarize the experience. But what I also got really into was the trends. I wanted to be one of the first people to share what was trending and what was brand new. And for many years, I had this strong drive for going to the show and sharing it as soon as possible so that I would be one of the main people known for new products. And it's kind of interesting to look back on because I spent so much time and work covering this trade show in the past. I would spend probably the week leading up to it researching as many brands as I possibly could, emailing them, seeing what they were coming out with, connecting with them on social media. And then I would go to this event. I went through a phase of interviewing the people that had these brands. So that took a lot of work, booking all the time with them, meeting them, recording them, editing the videos, posting it. It was super draining. But my hope was that it would position me as this kind of top person in that field. And it's funny, as I'm sharing that, I'm thinking back to some of the other people that I kind of modeled myself after. And there's this one guy who used to do those type of reviews too. And his name was like grocery something, I feel like. He was an older man. I don't know if he's still around, but I used to think, I want to be that guy that knows all of the new products, is connected to all the brands. And I guess I kind of made some progress there. I never really felt like I got to that point that I wanted. I never felt like people cared that much, no matter how hard I tried. And it's interesting, that was true of, of Ego Vegan Gal in general, which was a lot of work went into shaping that online brand. And I just never felt like people cared that much relative to how much effort I put into it. So as the years went on and noticed the results were not really getting me where I wanted to go, things started to shift for me. And I started going to this event to connect with other attendees more so than the brands that were there. And I started a networking event. I started a vegan meetup there. One year, I threw this huge event. I got sponsors. I got catering. I rented out a room there. And it was simultaneously a huge success and a big disaster. I'm not going to get into it. But that was something I'm glad I did. But it gives me anxiety thinking back about the things that went wrong. It was actually very heartbreaking because I put so much work into it. And despite my best efforts, it just didn't work out. And then I put a lot of time into creating a guide because of all this passion and knowledge I had gained from going to this event. And because I really like optimizing things and creating structure and supporting people, I decided to write an ebook called The Insider's Guide to the Natural Products Expo. I don't remember what year I published it the first time, maybe 2014. I put together this like 60-page book. I interviewed other people that went to that event, compiled all their best advice into this book and would update it every year. And I did so through 2019. And I think I stopped in 2020. And I used to really push out that guide. I put so much effort into it. And I then shifted into wanting to become kind of like an expert on this trade show. 
And I sold the book. It was $5, I think. And sometimes I would give it away if people would help me promote it. And that's also interesting. After years and years, at least five years of working on that ebook, I never felt like people cared that much about it. So once 2020 came through, I was like, I don't have to do this event because this trade show isn't happening right now. So I paused on it. And this year in 2022, I realized that there's part of me that still wants to support people in that way. But it's just not worth the effort. It's not worth the $20 or so I would make every I mean, like literally only like, maybe up to 10 people would buy. So let's say $50 max I would make a year from this ebook. And then, like I said, gave it away for free. So however many people would download it for free. And to do that, they had to like share the ebook on Twitter or social media. And it just never felt like people were that grateful for it. And I realized over time that gratitude is so key for me. Feeling validated, feeling like my work impacted somebody enough to say thank you is huge for me. And it's actually been a huge lesson for me over time to let go of that and realize, I mean, even with the podcast, a fraction of the people that listen to the show ever write me and say thank you. And that's okay. It's truly become a minor concern, if any, there. It's not something I expect. It's not something that I feel like keeps me going. I love hearing from people. And certainly when somebody does write me or message me or tell me in person that they listen to the show, it lights me up. It makes me feel good. But that's not the reason I do it. Versus I think that hearing thank you or making sales for a lot of my work in the past used to drive me. And when that diminished, I didn't feel as driven. And I think that's an important thing to keep in mind, right? So started slowing down the videos, eventually stopped worrying about this ebook. One person asked me about the ebook this year in 2022, by the way. And that's when I was like, all right, (laughs) I think it's past its prime. It's not worth it anymore. I still get emailed from a lot of companies that want me to come by and interview them. And that's been an interesting thing too. And it kind of ties into the quote that I shared in the beginning. Over these now 12 years that I've been attending the event, I have received so many messages from companies that want something from me, but are not really willing to give it back. And this has been a huge issue for me. So if you're wondering where the value of this episode is for you beyond perhaps your curiosity into the business of the world that I'm in, I want you to think about any time in your life where you felt like somebody was asking for more of you than they were willing to give to you. And I think all of us can relate to that, right? So you can apply this to pretty much anything personally or professionally. In the case of this expo, I have ended up on all of these lists as somebody in the press and now as what they would consider an influencer. And it became incredibly transactional, meaning that these brands are in this state of mind, from what I can perceive, of trying to reach as many people as possible. It's like there's a term for this that hopefully will come to mind. But it's like if you just go out and try to spam as many people as possible with your message, maybe you will get a handful of them 
getting back to you. And in this case, they will download a list of all the people in the press and they will email them all the same message asking if they will cover them in their content. And at the beginning stages, so going back to probably 2011 or 12, once I had been more established in the trade show, I used to take these emails very seriously. I would respond to every single one. And most of them would never reply back to me, which was really interesting, right? It was like, oh, okay, clearly it's like getting something in the mail that if you were to respond to a physical letter you received in the mail, you'd probably never hear back because you're just, spam is not quite the right word, but you know, it's like any mail that you get from a company. It's not meant for you. You're just the person at the address. It's truly transactional. The only time that they would really respond to you is if you gave them what they were looking for. So what I started to realize is that if I said anything, it's almost like a computer in a way. You know when um, you try to reach out to customer service on a website and they have like an AI chat bot? It's like they have automated responses based on the keywords that you type in. Or it's like when you call customer service on the phone and you have to press a very specific number in order to get help. And you know that frustrating process when either in the chat bot or on the phone, you type anything outside of the algorithm that they've created. You can't get what you want. So it's not customized. It's designed to respond in bulk. It's designed to respond to the average inquiry, not any specific thing that only a few people experience. That is basically what this email pre-event is like. So these companies only want you to say, yes, I will meet with you. Yes, I will come by and interview. Yes, I will publish you in my blog post. If you say no, you will never hear back from them. If you say maybe, you might hear back from them. But if you see anything that's too complicated, you probably will never hear back from them because they're looking for the lowest common denominator. And for years, I would get these emails with interview requests and I would think, oh, sure, this company sounds interesting to me. I will go and interview them. I would interview them. I would spend 15 minutes or so with them. And I could tell in the moment of the interview at this trade show, which is bustling, right? So again, let's visualize it. Imagine you're at a booth, like if you've ever been to a farmer's market or to a festival of sorts, one of those type of booths where there's a bunch of a row and you're standing in a crowded area trying to find some room. That would be me interviewing somebody from the company. And I could tell that during the interview, they were just trying to get it over with. They were distracted. They were giving me bottled answers. Or is that the right term? They were giving me like the usual answers. And they were just waiting to get it over with so that they can go on to the next person. Transactional. And then the interview would end and they would follow up. When is the interview going to be posted? I would post it, would never hear from them again. And as a very sensitive, heartfelt person who likes to live very intentionally, that wore away at me. That made me feel insignificant. And so over the years, I decided I don't want that experience anymore. But I still wanted to go to this trade show. So I had to think about, well, what can I do? So I experimented with 
reviewing products. But the company is generally similar to the interviews. Once you did the review, you'd never hear from them again. They'd forget about you. They'd move on to the next person. It's kind of like dating, like the swipe app dating, where you swipe, you match with somebody, you feel a connection with them, and then they ghost you. You swipe, you match with somebody, maybe you go on a date, date doesn't go well, they move on to the next person, right? Or maybe the date goes well and you are intimate with them, but they're not really interested in a relationship. They're just interested in that transactional intimacy. They'll move on to the next person. You'll never hear from them again. Or maybe you will hear from them again next time they're interested in the intimate connection that you gave them the first time. They've considered you somebody that they can go to when they want something. But in between the first time and the next time they want something, you don't hear from them. And for someone like me, I'm not interested in that. (laughs) And some people are. Some people are okay with transactional intimacy, just like they're okay with transactional business. I'm just not that person. And I'm not actually practicing, not judging people that are okay with transactional. But I think what I've recognized is that the majority of people seem to be okay with transactional from my perception. But just because they seem okay with them with it doesn't mean that that's actually what they want. And it's kind of like this metaphor for humanity. How many people are okay with the status quo or just go along with it because they don't realize it can be different? How many people just accept things for how they are because they don't believe that it can change? I believe things can change. I believe things can be different because I feel so compelled about intimate connections, true, deep, long-lasting connections, not just romantically, but in all facets of my life, that I'm very triggered by transactional over time. It's worn away at me. I think in the beginning stages of this trade show, I was so new to it that I actually accepted the fact that I felt insignificant. I think a lot of times when we're new, we feel like we have to pay our dues that we allow that type of treatment. And over the years, looking back at all the things that I've done at these trade shows, I realized that outside of the trade show bubble, I didn't feel or I don't feel much meaning in people's lives. And maybe there's more meaning than I realized because a lot of people don't communicate the meaning that you have, right? A lot of people don't tell you when they're thinking about you. A lot of people don't tell you when you've made a difference in their life. And I really wish that more of us would go out of our way to do that. But I recognize that it's overwhelming to communicate that much. I really struggle with communication. It drains me. So maybe that's why it's tough. Now, over the years, I've built a lot of connections. This year in 2022, I got texts from people letting me know they were going to the trade show, asking if I wanted to meet up with them. But it was very different this year because I was concerned about COVID. So I want to talk about that too. And by the way, I want to say there are some listeners who have been very vocal with me about their COVID opinions. And when I bring up COVID, it's not meant to start a debate. It's meant to share my experiences and my perspectives. And if my perspectives conflict or contrast, or are different than yours, that's absolutely okay. I'm very aware that there's a spectrum in which people view COVID. And I'm not 
bringing any of these things up to say that my way is right and your way is wrong. And I'm also not asking for you to change my mind. (laughs) I want to be clear about that. There are people that listen to the show and see me on social media that have worked very hard to try to change my mind about COVID. And that's okay. I can't prevent people from saying those things to me. But I, I think it's important to state for me that it's not changing my mind when you approach me that way. So that's my little disclosure. Is that right? Something like that. Anyways, so the Natural Products Expo ahead of time said that they are going to require either a proof of vaccination, including the booster, so, you know, three shots, or a proof of negative COVID test. You had to submit this ahead of time through their system and get verified. And then when you got to the event and you registered, they would check your verification and on your badge, it would say that you had gone through that process. Now, personally, I like that there's a choice between a vaccination or a negative COVID test, but it does seem a little silly to ask for a negative COVID test because from what I know, you could get a test today, right now, and an hour from now contract it. So you could still be bringing COVID into an event like this unless you're tested at the door, which they did not do. So I don't know. I think that the proof of negative COVID test is not the greatest system. I wish there was a different way, but they weren't taking people's temperature or anything. They're just taking people's words for it. The event also said that masks would be required. And that was a little controversial, I suppose, because in California, where the event happened, they had recently lifted the mask mandate so that you're not required to wear masks indoors anymore. But the Natural Products Expo said that they were still going to require it because there were so many people there. And like I said, I estimate minimum 75,000 people were at this event. I would guess closer to 100,000 based on what I've seen in the past. I don't know when they released these numbers, but that's my guess. Bare minimum 50,000 people, right? That's a lot of people. Most people I've been around in one place, to my knowledge, since COVID. Now, in September 2021, I went to the event in Philadelphia, the same Natural Products Expo, but it was very minimal attended. I would guess maybe 20,000. I'm not sure if they've released those numbers. Anyways, regardless of what the exact numbers were, a ton of people indoors at once for four days straight. And they said multiple times on their website and their emails that they would require masks. So I went in there with my mask in hand, expecting other people to wear masks. And on Wednesday, the very first day of the event, I realized that people weren't wearing their masks. And it was the slow realization because the event started at 11 a.m. in an outdoor space. They have one section of the event on Wednesday that was outdoors. It was like a farmer's market style event. And I think because I had just gotten there and it was outdoors that if I noticed other people without wearing masks, I don't think it occurred to me that that was an issue. I either thought, nobody's paying attention, so they're not being regulated, or perhaps it's okay for them to not wear their masks because we're outside. So whatever. Went through that part of the event. And then I went to the indoor section of the event. And that's where it hit me. I'm walking around and it's slowly becoming apparent that I am 
one of maybe 10% of attendees that was wearing their mask, despite the signs and the emails and the notes on the website, other people weren't wearing them. And I started to feel incredibly confused and uncomfortable with that. I walked through the event trying to process how I felt because I went in there with an expectation and that's not what happened. And I wasn't really sure. You know, it's interesting. I think it's a great example of, I don't even know what the words are in this moment. For me, it felt a bit violating. I'll put it that way. Masks are a sensitive subject. I get that. They are controversial. They bring up a lot of emotions within people, a lot of opinions. I've traveled around the country a few times since COVID. I've had conversations with all different friends with different perspectives. And the mask situation actually brings me a lot of sadness because from my perspective, I think the masks have been really helpful. I do not have a problem at all wearing masks. In fact, I really enjoy wearing my mask. The only time that a mask feels uncomfortable to me is when I'm wearing my glasses. I wear driving glasses. And I also was trying to wear my blue blocker glasses during the event, but I couldn't because they kept fogging up. I find that extremely uncomfortable. So instead of taking off my mask, I took off my glasses and just didn't wear them during the event. I don't mind breathing through them. I've chosen very comfortable masks to wear. I'm somebody who double masks on the bottom layer. I wear a KN94 mask that has a lot of breathing room in it, feels comfortable around my ears. And then on top of that, I wear a cloth mask. I have personally chosen that because this double masking, I've heard some doctors and scientists recommend that. And two masks does not feel that much different than one to me. And it's just extra peace of mind. Plus, as I mentioned, in this case, I had a mask printed with text on the outside that said, ask me about my podcast. It was kind of like advertising for me to start a conversation. Anyway, so I felt a bit, I use the word violated very gently, but just because I felt very confused and a bit sad that despite all of the notices about requiring masks, 90%, I would estimate, of people chose not to wear them. And the reason it felt violating to me is because I chose to go to this event because mask requirements made me feel more comfortable. Had they been upfront about the fact that masks were optional, which is very different wording than required, I may not have gone to it. But I had planned for months and months to go to this event based on that information. I checked it before I left. And as of the day of the very first event, throughout the four days of the event, all of the information on the Natural Products website in their application and on signs in the event, it says masks are required. And yet nobody was enforcing them. And that was really tough for me. That made me feel very unsafe and insecure and uncomfortable because I am one of those people that based on the information I have gathered, feels like masks are very helpful in slowing the spread. And not just of COVID, mind you, but of cold and flu too. Somebody very close to me recently had a very bad cold for a week and the symptoms sounded awful. I don't want to cough. I don't want a sore throat. 
I don't want to feel tired or lethargic. I don't want my brain to be foggy. Those things are really important to me. And this is not meant to go on a whole COVID thing. This is not the point of the episode. But I feel like it's worth saying that I do not want COVID. To my knowledge, I have not had COVID, although I did have a, quote, scare in 2020 when I had a positive COVID test. But for those that didn't know this, I had three tests in a row. The first one said positive. I went the very next day and got another test. That one was negative. And then I went a few days later and got another test, which was also negative. So to this day, I don't know if that positive test was right or wrong. I don't know if I had COVID and was asymptomatic. But I've had no symptoms and I never want to have symptoms. I'm not only concerned about the symptoms that you have when you're contagious, but I'm most concerned about long COVID. The reason I'm personally concerned about it is because I struggle a lot with my neurodivergence to stay focused, to not get overwhelmed. I am a very sensitive person emotionally and physically. So getting through my work takes a lot of factors. I just feel like every day is a bit of a battle for me. And when I realized fairly recently that I am neurodivergent, it was a bit comforting, but it also gave me a perspective for all the people that have pre-existing conditions and are immune compromised. I'm not, to my knowledge, in either of those categories. But I have more awareness and compassion because I think what those people go through is a daily battle to feel well. I feel that way mentally. Every day I have to manage my anxiety so much it makes me want to cry. Every day I have to manage my focus, my overwhelm. Every day I have to manage my energy. Every day I have to adjust my schedule. It's a lot. Every day I also have to manage the emotional elements of life that I'm sure you can relate to no matter what spectrum you fall onto, whether that's feeling sad, depressed, lonely, confused, all of those things that are very common for human beings right now. The burnout, the stress, those are very, very common things. I think those are universal things that we experience. All of us are on a spectrum of it. A friend of mine was saying that she believes that many people have symptoms of ADHD and autism. I don't know if that's correct, but in her opinion, she thinks that everyone's somewhere on the spectrum. And if that's the case, I don't understand why so many people are comfortable going about their lives in a time where we are still in a pandemic, there are still cases of COVID. But let's say you don't believe in COVID because there are some people that don't. Let's say that you think it's a hoax or perhaps you do believe in COVID and you think it was planned and it was used against us and plotted. I mean, there's so many different perspectives on COVID. Wherever you are in there, if you put COVID aside, I think most people believe in colds and flus Although at this point, it's possible that some people don't even believe that those are real. But I think the majority of people do because the majority, if not every human being, has been sick at one point in their lives. Think about the time that you have been sick. The average symptoms are being tired. That's like one of the number one symptoms of being sick. 
And I really want to ask in this moment, wherever you are, do you enjoy being tired, fatigued? For me, I don't. That is be quickly becoming one of the most frustrating elements of my life. Because being tired means that I don't have the mental energy to get important things done. That I don't have the energy to see my friends if I have plans with them. Or that I don't have the energy to speak on the phone to my friends. I feel tired so frequently, and not just physically tired, like I said, mentally tired, that it, to me, getting sick of any, any type of sickness is very scary to me. So when I went to this event with my mask on, I was trying to protect myself from getting sick. Now today, I feel something in my throat that may or may not be a sign that I am getting sick, that I did get sick. I took like every measure I could. So the mask plus I took colloidal silver. I took elderberry. I took vitamin C, vitamin D. I slept a ton. I took magnesium salt bath. I drank a ton of water. I ate a lot of nourishing food. I balanced my stress levels. I brought aromatherapy with me, essential oils. I mean, if you don't know this about me already, I'm somebody that's been very involved in the health world for a long time, and I have a lot of tools and knowledge around this. COVID's been very humbling because I feel like a lot of those things that I thought protected me have been debated as whether or not they're very effective. And my point in bringing that all up is that, and I don't know if violation is the right term here, but I felt misled. That's better. I was really hoping that we could come together as a community in the natural products industry to just wear our masks indoors. It's eight hours inside, which is a lot of time. But if you can wear your mask on a plane for six hours, you can wear your mask in an indoor space around tens of thousands of people, in my opinion. Is it uncomfortable for some? I'm sure it is. Was it uncomfortable for me? No. I feel more comfortable wearing a mask than not in that scenario. So I'm walking around this event and a lot of emotions are coming up. That violation type emotion I felt, that misled feeling, that disappointed feeling. But then I also was struck with another layer of feeling like an outcast, feeling like I was in the minority of people wearing masks. So I stood out. I didn't want to stand out. Maybe that was part of the struggle for me is that I kind of want to disappear in the crowd sometimes because of my anxiety, especially my social anxiety. I really just wanted to go to this event and not talk to a ton of people. I wanted to go to this event to try some products. I wanted to go to this event to see what was coming up in trends. I wanted to collect information for the most part. I wanted to ease myself back into the trade show that is very familiar, but has changed due to not being there for all this time. And instead, I stood out naturally because I was one of very few people wearing masks. I guess that was part of the violation that I went into an environment where I did not want to stand out. But because I ended up doing something that was in the minority of things that people were doing, I stood out kind of against my will. That's, I guess, where the violating feeling felt. Like, 
the only option, well, there's two options. One was to not wear my mask, which to me is not an option because I did not want to get sick, COVID or not, was not interested. This event, by the way, is known for making people sick, ironically. Every year that I've been to this event, somebody in my friend group gets sick because you're around tens of thousands of people, because you're indoor in a convention center with fluorescent lights and no windows, and who knows what the ventilation is like. You are trying foods with your fingers, picking things up, touching all these surface areas, breathing in from other people. It is like a Petri dish. (laughs) People from all around the world there, flying on planes, in hotel rooms. I mean, like it is like almost guaranteed that you're going to get sick there. I generally don't get sick. I've been blessed with a strong immune system, I suppose, or I've lucked out and not gotten sick very often. But anyway, so I'm going to sanitize my hands constantly, wash my hands constantly, wear a mask, not pick up foods and eat it with my finger. Like I just, whatever it took. But all around me, people were doing the opposite. And so I had that choice. Do I do what everybody else is doing so I can fit in? Do I do what everybody else is doing so I can disappear into the crowd and not stand out? That did not feel comfortable for me. So the other option was to just not go. So after the first day of the event, which is on Wednesday, I felt incredibly sad because I was faced with those technically three decisions to either change my plans and no longer go, to take off my mask so that I wouldn't stand out anymore, or to wear my mask continue to go to the event, but stand out like a sore thumb. It was a moment of the lesser of three evils situation for me. And that made me feel sad because that's not what I expected. That made me sad that we've come to this point. And it really made me sad that so many people were choosing to do something that went against the rules, I suppose. (laughs) And I'm one of those people that I like to follow the rules when I feel like it's in my best interest and in the best interest of others. I am absolutely a rule breaker when the rules don't make sense to me. So I guess I can relate to people who chose not to wear their masks because they didn't make sense. Like, that's what I assume happened. I assume that, let's say there were 100,000 people there. So if it were approximately 90% of people not wearing masks, 90,000 people, let's say, went to this event without masks on. And I guess 90% of people believe that the rules didn't make sense to them. But I also think a fraction of those people went into the event with their masks and took them off because they saw so many other people without their masks on. So maybe the rules did make sense to them, but they felt pressured by the majority. And that's part of, I think, where the sadness was too, is just the representation of humanity at large. Whereas when we see a lot of people doing something, even if it goes against what we think is right, a percentage of us will still do it because other people are doing it. Now that I'm strongly not generally that person. It's very rare that I, trying to think of a case where like societal pressure causes me to do something that goes against my ethics or my morals or my choices or what I believe is right. I'm not saying I never do it. I'm just saying like, if I'm going to do something that the rest of the group is doing, it's because I also agree with it, 
right? Like I've totally broken rules. Like I could share so many examples of when I do things I'm not supposed to do, but that's usually because I feel so compelled. And I guess in this case, I felt like I was kind of breaking a rule by wearing a mask. I was going against the group, the majority's rule. I was faced with a few times where I felt there was some pressure to not wear my mask. One is that one of my friends I was there with walking around the show, she wasn't wearing her mask. Actually, nobody I knew personally was wearing a mask. That was interesting, too. And also contributed to my sadness because I felt so alone and isolated in my decision. I spent some time with a few people at this event and none of them were wearing masks. And it was that uncomfortable situation of being around. I felt a bit embarrassed. Even though I felt compelled to wear my mask, I felt a bit of shame, I think. I don't know. Maybe it was just embarrassment. Shame and embarrassment are different things. I even feel it talking to you sharing this with you. I am afraid that you are anti-mask or you are done with wearing your mask and you're going to judge me for choosing to wear my mask. Isn't that sad, I think? That's like one of the hardest things about COVID for me is that if an individual chooses to protect their health in the way that makes sense to them, if that choice goes against what other people are doing, they are judged for that. I don't think that's right. I really don't. Just as I believe that I'm okay with the choice not to wear a mask because I also believe that people should be able to make their own choices for their own health. But the difference is in an environment like that, given that it is common, COVID or not, for people to get sick in that environment, morally, I feel uncomfortable with a group decision to do something that's making part of the group feel incredibly uncomfortable and unsafe, right? Because statistically, it is safer for everybody to wear a mask, not just for me. Like when I wear a mask, I believe from my understanding of how masks work, that is generally preventing my breath, my particles from reaching other people. It's stopping it. It also does some work to filter incoming particles, right? But from my understanding, they can still get in through any gaps. And my masks that I was wearing are not completely sealed to my face. There is still a little gap up top, I'm sure from the sides, like it's possible that the particles could get in. So that's why I've really enjoyed wearing masks and felt more comfortable around other people wearing masks because it's stopping the chances of any sickness, right? On some level, still respected the people that were choosing not to wear it. It was just frustrating because I felt less safe around them. So that included my friends. There was one friend who was really questioning my choice to wear a mask, which made me a little uncomfortable because I'm close friends with this person. I felt like we could have a dialogue around it and it wasn't going to like interfere with our friendship, right? But there was one person yesterday, actually, the last day of the event, who was working at a supplement booth. I won't say which one. (laughs) And this person kind of rudely asked why I was wearing a mask. And I didn't really feel like I had to explain myself, but it felt like it would have been rude for me to ignore the question. So I concisely explained why I was wearing my mask. And this person made faces at me when I was giving my answer. And that felt heartbreaking. Very 
disappointing experience to have because it felt so judgmental and it felt like disrespectful. I could have asked this woman back why she felt comfortable not wearing a mask. And if I disagreed with her choice, I would do my best not to show it on my face. But this woman did not hold back her facial response. And it just doesn't feel good. It again put me in a place of feeling like an outcast and feeling embarrassed or ashamed and feeling rejected, I guess. In an environment like that, my hope is that it would feel like a safe space. But it's just not. And I think that's why in that episode I referenced previously, uh, whether it was that Ick Factor episode or another one, again, I'll make sure in the show notes to link to the one I'm referencing (laughs) when I remember which one it is about the trade show. I think that over the time of COVID, I've become more self-aware and more in touch with my feelings and more sensitive to other people. This time away from a lot of in-person interaction has given me a chance to really reflect on how I feel around strangers. And I don't like the transactional relationships. I avoid them. And I think that's why I considered not going to this event because I don't want to be in a place of feeling used. I don't want people to validate who I am, my value as a person based on what I can do for them. I prefer to be in environments where it's mutual, where it's mutually beneficial. I prefer to be around people who respect me as a human being, even if I'm different from them and I make different choices from them. I prefer in a professional environment not to debate things. That event had nothing to do with COVID. I didn't want to discuss it with people. I wanted to go to that event and be a professional. I wanted to go to that event and talk about products. I did not want to talk about COVID. I did not want it to be a debate about whether or not we should still be wearing masks. I did not want to have to defend my choice. And luckily, I didn't really have to. But sadly, I did feel judged. I felt like some people, maybe it was my imagination, but I felt some people looked at me differently because I was wearing a mask. Some people even ignored the things that I was saying because they couldn't hear me very well. So instead of asking me to repeat myself. There were a few moments where I could tell that they didn't hear me and they weren't going to make the effort to ask me to repeat. So they just kind of moved on to the next person. Luckily, for the most part, people could understand me through my mask, which has always amazed me. Like it seems like with all this material, I guess it's because people can't read lips, right? But I also noticed and felt even more compelled to wear a mask because there were times because of the loudness of the event, you would have to shout when you shout, you're kind of projecting more, some more spits coming out. And frankly, I would prefer someone not to spit on me, sickness or not. I just don't want spit on me. So when I lean forward to yell somebody or project what I'm saying through the crowd, the masks prevent any of the fluids from getting on one another. That just feels a little nicer, in my opinion. I think if anything, this event made me feel like I'm going to be one of those people who wears my mask well beyond others. And maybe the lesson in this event, as I said with that original quote, at the very beginning of this event, I shared that quote, everything I feel, think, say, and do is a necessary part of my awakening. So maybe my awakening is that I don't want to feel like a transactional. I don't want to feel used. 
I don't want to feel like I'm only beneficial if there's a transaction. I don't want to feel misled. I don't want to feel disrespected. I don't want to feel misunderstood. A lot of things there. What I do want to feel is valued as a human being. I do want to feel like, well, I don't want to feel like I have to prove myself. I want to feel like I belong. I want to feel respected. I want to feel understood. Those are some of the base things there. Everything I think, well, there's a lot of thoughts. I already shared my thoughts here, so that's clear. Everything I say, but everything I do as a necessary part of my awakening. The awakening here is that I feel like I've built more confidence in being different, I suppose. I've built confidence in doing what's right for me, being clear about what feels right for me and doing it anyways. And maybe that's one of the greatest lessons. What's always interesting, when you do something that goes against the grain, when you are a minority, whatever that means, that means a lot of things, right? When you feel like a minority, when you perceive yourself as being in the minority, it can feel very vulnerable and scary. Because I think as human beings, we feel safer in groups. We feel safer when we're the same. We don't want to feel ostracized. We don't want to feel judged as a whole. But if we find ourselves in those positions, if we can't help but being in it because of who we are as human beings, if we are minorities no matter what, and I do not consider myself a minority, of course, because of my race. I will say. But perhaps I'm a minority because I'm neurodivergent, I suppose. Like, anyways, there's many facets of ourselves that could be considered minority if we feel like we are different or if we know that we are different. And that can also bring us a big source of strength and awakening. That can teach us what's important to us. That can show us where we want to spend our time and where we don't. That can help us understand what type of people we want to be around and what type of people we want to avoid because we don't feel safe with them, because we don't trust them. I also think my choice to put myself in that environment despite feeling unsafe was helpful for me because A, I wonder if I will get sick. If I don't get sick from that event, maybe that'll make me feel more trusting about COVID. I think being in uncomfortable environments is important for our awakening and for our evolution. So I don't regret it. Was it pleasant for me at times? No. But other times it was very pleasant and it felt worth it. I got to try a lot of great things. So I'm glad I went. I'm afraid of long-term consequences, yes. I didn't feel like I was my full self there. I felt like I was trying to protect myself and shelter myself. So was I really getting the full extent of that event? No. But I was protecting myself. And that's part of the key too. When we make decisions that feel best and right for us in the moment, it is okay to miss out on things. It is okay to feel limited because protection is so important for us. Sometimes we also have to go through really unpleasant experiences because of all of these lessons. So it brings up sadness. I'm glad I processed it out loud. Thank you for listening. I hope there are lessons for you here too. Processing out loud really helps me move through my sadness. So if you want to move through your sadness, I hope that you have someone in your life that you can process with. 
And if you don't, here are two suggestions for you. One is sometimes I process things out loud to nobody but myself. (laughs) I like to record videos. Just pressing record and saying things out loud is really helpful for my brain. And you can delete those videos. It could be an audio recording, or you could just say it out loud and not record yourself. You can journal, of course. There's so many outlets that can be very private. So I encourage you to do that too if you need to process and move through sadness and organize your thoughts and find your way. Maybe you start a podcast too. (laughs) And if you ever need help with starting a podcast, seriously, ask me. I could talk about podcasting all day long. And I luckily, one thing I didn't touch upon was because of my mask and because of the badge I was wearing that said podcaster on it. I had some really nice little conversations with people about podcasts. And some people did ask me about my podcast just not as many people as I thought might. Seems like podcasting is still on the outskirts of this natural products industry, which was really interesting. But I want you to know, if you ever want to talk about it, talk about my show, other shows, starting your own show, please email me. And lastly, I would say that if you need a safe place where you feel accepted and not judged, where you feel like you can talk about struggles and hardships with other human beings, I really hope that you check out Beyond Measure. Beyond Measure is a community I started almost two years ago in 2020. It is a passion project for me because it is rooted in acceptance and love and unity and support and like-minded people. I have worked really hard to create what I believe to be a very safe space where everyone is invited. But the only thing that is not allowed and beyond measure is judgment. And this all falls under the umbrella. So it's still considered one thing. Respect is the key and disrespect is not allowed in there. Fighting, debates, healthy debates, yes. Hurtful, mean, committed to misunderstanding debates are not there. And they actually have never happened in beyond measure. I'm very grateful for it. So It is a private community. It is currently free. It may be a small rate at some point because there are costs involved that I would love to cover. So I've been thinking about how I can set up a financial structure that is not a barrier to entry because right now they're very limited barrier to entries. So if you want to check it out, it is there for you. I'm there. Other amazing people are there. In fact, during this trade show, one of the other members led the weekly discussion that we have, which is on Saturdays, because I couldn't be there. And it was amazing. So there are incredible, incredible people in there that are showing up for each other every day, every week live. And I would love to have you there. So if you listen to this whole episode, you are a good fit for Beyond Measure, trust me. (laughs) I guess maybe I hesitate to say that because some people listen to things just so that they can sit in the fact that they disagree. (laughs) That's a weird way to say it. It's like hate watching something. You don't like it. You don't like the person, but you look at what they're doing just so you can find more ways to dislike them. I suppose that's possible. But I also think most people are not going to spend an hour of their time listening to a podcast that they really don't like. So (laughs) that's why I feel like if you're still listening, you're probably a very good fit for Beyond Measure because you're an open-minded, heart-centered person who is looking for value and looking to support others. And I just imagine that you are 
an ideal person to join. So I will link to the section where you can read more about it. It's on my website, WhitneyLauritson.com. You press a button, it brings you into the community, which is on a separate platform called Circle. And you can come check it out and see if it feels good for you. And we invite you to show up and share the fullness of the person you are. We'll hold space for you. We'll help you explore all of that. And I would just love to get to know you. That's my big game. It would really bring me deep joy to know more about who you are because you spend so much time learning about me. And because this is not meant to be transactional, my hope is that I can give back to you what you've given to me by listening so much. That concludes this episode. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being on other episodes. You mean the world to me, even if I don't know who you are yet. And I'll be back with another episode in a few days with a special guest. I'm looking at the schedule right now. And I have not even recorded with this guest. So we're both in for a surprise. That'll be on Friday. And I'll be back next Monday with another episode that I do not know what direction it will go in, but it'll be some share about (laughs) something I'm thinking about or have learned recently. Until then, I'm wishing you all the very best with wherever you are in your head and your heart today. Bye for now. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to WellEvator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.